0: amen i I thought this was a typical Baptist church, and there'd be about twenty more minutes of announcements <laughs> You guys must want to beat the rush to the restaurants, so just m- move things along. no that's a blessing. I have to clarify we don't live in a grass house um, we um we we rent a house um But, um, we don't want to live in a grass house either. (laughs) So, so thank you. Um, if you would open up to Proverbs chapter 22, please. Proverbs 22, uh, just going to talk this morning, um, talk this morning about certain things and uncertain times, certain things. In uncertain times and, uh, times of uncertainty, uh, you know, come upon us. Uh, I I think almost, almost certainly they come upon us, but they come in seasons, you know, uh, there are different, different times of, uh, and types and seasons of uncertainty. You could have uncertainty in your employment. There may be people here today that, that either don't have a job or, uh, maybe are looking forward to not having a job and you have uncertainty in your employment. You might have uncertainty, which one usually leads to the other in your finances, uh, or, uh, uncertainty maybe in your, in your, uh, in the economy. I think that's one we, we might hear a lot about these days with inflation and, um, you know, I don't, I don't keep up with it all, but, you know, I, I believe that's kind of a, a buzzword these days is economic uncertainty. Certainly look at the gas prices. I'm a little bit shocked at gas prices. That's not what they were when I left this country in 2020. Um, and, uh, they were shocking then and it's even more shocking now. Um, uncertainty in your family. Um, you know, people deal with real Issues and real troubles and real problems with, in, in marriage and in, uh, parenting and with children and, uh, maybe, you know, your, your, your family's stable, but, you know, you might be dealing with helping your, uh, aged, your aged parents and, uh, just a lot of uncertainty. Of course, political uncertainty. Um, I think we're kind of looking at that here in the U.S. as well. Um, you know, elections, all all that coming up win it winter elections next year. So we're already, you know, already news is swirling and twirling and I'm I'm at a you know, we're leaving the country in New Guinea, we're at a at a hotel in the capital city and you know, on the TV that everybody in the hotel's is watching is there, I guess a arresting Donald Trump or I I don't I don't I didn't really pay attention but all kinds of things uncertainty um uncertainty in your in your health and and I know this is some of what's going on here in this church I don't know the full story all the details but definitely uncertainty in in your pastor's health and which brings uncertainty within the church and uh again times and seasons of uncertainty uh tend to to come there's nothing we can do to stop it uh, there, there are very few certain things in this world and certainly nothing of the world, uh, is, is, is certain. Nothing that the world offers, uh, the world's offers of, of hope and the world's offers of love and the world's offers of, um, something solid. It, it, it never is. It never winds up to be so. Uh, but I'd like to look this morning. I'd like to say that even in times of uncertainty, you can find certainty. If you'll look in the right places, now certainty is a, a state of surety. It's a state of truth and fact. Uh, it's a state of full assurance of mind. It's a settled state. Um, you certainly aren't going to get that from the news media. You certainly aren't going to get that from social media. Uh, you certainly aren't going to get that from from education. We live in a highly educated society that has no state of assurance of truth or fact. Um, But you can have certainty in your life if you know where to look. Um, And that's what we read here in Proverbs 22. Look at verse 19. Proverbs 22, verse 19, and we'll read through verse 21. He says here that thy trust may be in the Lord I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer <clears throat> the words of truth to them that send unto thee. Let's pray. Father, please again bless this service this morning. Bless this time of preaching. Uh, Father, take a take a a simple servant, a messenger, and anoint and bless and fill and accomplish your work. God each and every individual here is is facing something dealing with something something uh trying to handle something uh maybe maybe seeking some certainty, maybe they just feel like everything around them is is falling apart or it's up in the air uh, God may this be a an exhortation and a help uh lord and maybe some that are that are rebelling against uh the help that you're offering and maybe they're turning to another source and uh trying to find certainty elsewhere god maybe you turn them back and incline their heart to your ear and incline their heart to your word and incline their heart to you please oh god bless and use this time today ask in jesus christ's name amen now again if you know where to look you can find some certainties in life, and one of the 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 certainties I'd like to mention to you today that you need to consider is the certainty of God, the certainty of God. turn over to genesis one one of course, you all know this verse um, i I assume you all know this verse. I hope you all know this verse uh, but but kind of knowing it in the sense of uh, just the knowledge of it and then actually considering. It's, it's impact and for you and, and practical application for you in your life is a different thing. And, and you need to know certainly and the certain that there is a God and know the certainty of God. Genesis 1-1 declares, uh, God's, uh, word, the, the Bible, it, it, it starts right off and it states this as a matter. We, we said certainty is a, a state of assurance of truth and fact and, this states right off, as a matter of fact, that there is a God. Genesis one one: In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And you need to know that there is a God. Um, and sadly, here in this country, and this is one of those uh, one of those differences between America and Papua New Guinea. Um, Amer- uh, Papua New Guineans, I- I've never I've never come across a Papua New Guinean. That denies the existence of a God. Uh, they they naturally know that there is a God, and they don't they don't they don't go to the ends of what America does in denying the existence of God. And God says this statement in Genesis one one without apology or explanation. Um, he he states this as a matter of fact. He doesn't explain to you. Uh, where he came from, he doesn't explain to you how he got here. Uh, Genesis, I'm sorry, in Exodus three fourteen, he he tells Moses, he says, "I am that I am," and that's a that's a, a, a statement of God's name. It's a statement of His identity. You know, when Jesus used that phrase over in the New Testament, and He said, "I am He," and and the men fell down flat because He's He's stating that He is. God, he is the, I am, he says before Abraham was, I am. And God just is, he just is, he was, he is, he ever will be. And that's a statement of fact and a statement of truth. God is not obligated to offer you evidence of his existence. He's not obligated to do that. Um, God is not obligated to you for anything. He is God. You're not God. God created you for him not not he created or you created him for you and that's one of the arguments against God by the by the fools that argue against the existence of God is that God is a a construct that 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 man created to help himself feel better and help himself deal and cope with things that he uh you know that he can't cope with on his own and that's just a a fool speaking because the the Bible declares that there is a God, uh, and God's not obligated to to give you evidence of his existence. He owes you nothing but He does give you evidence of his existence and if we turn over to Psalm nineteen, we have three witnesses uh just out of this psalm of the evidence and existence and the certainty of god uh and you may be you know you may be college educated or you may be going into college to seek a college education. And sadly, one of the most common occurrences for Christians in college and university these days is for them to to enter that educational system and come out denying the existence of God. And you need to know the certainty of God. Uh, Psalm 19 tells us of three witnesses. You can break this chapter into three parts. Verse 116 it has the witness, I'm sorry, verses 1 through 6. It has the witness of nature. Psalm 19, 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The, the, the witness of nature declares the certainty of God. What is... What exists here today could not exist unless there is a God that created it. There is no reasonable, there is no logical explanation for the existence of the universe outside of the certainty of God. Um, God has, has marked his creation with, with his fingerprint. Uh, he, he talks there in verse 1 about the, head, the firmament showing his handiwork. Uh, handiwork is something you, you make with your hands. Uh, we know man, God formed man of the dust of the ground. God, God took dust and he formed the body of man. It, we're his handiwork and he's left his mark and he's left his imprint upon us. Uh, we are a body and a soul and a spirit. Uh, we were originally made in the image of God, uh, a, a, a tripart being. Um, I am body. I am soul. I am spirit. All you see is my body. But I am those three, just, just as God is, is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the only one that can be seen or, or could be seen is the Lord Jesus Christ. God manifests in the flesh. Um that, that's a, a mark. You, you look at, you know, I was taught my whole life growing up, look at the sun. The sun has heat rays, it has light rays, it has actinic rays, it has radiation that it puts off. It's a three-part thing, all through nature and all through creation, you see. I don't even like to use the word nature anymore just just creation um, all through creation, you see the hand, the the handprint the fingerprints of God. One of the things I love uh, just just kind of blows me away is a thing called the Fibonacci sequence. Anyone ever heard of the Fibonacci sequence um, it 's a mathematical uh, i guess you may call it a phenomenon found all throughout creation um, and it is it was a Obviously not invented by, but discovered by an Italian mathematician. Um, they actually say it was discovered earlier, but this Italian mathematician named Leonardo of Pisa, also known as Fibonacci, he introduced this to Western math in the year 1202. What is, is a sequence of numbers starting with 0 and 1 derived by adding the previous two numbers together. Okay, so for instance, 0 plus 1 equals 1. Uh, 1 plus 1 equals 2. 2 plus 1 equals 3. 3 plus 2 equals 5. 5 plus 3 equals 8. 8 plus 3 equals 13. 13 plus 8 equals... Thank you. I'm stopping there. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but it, it is an amazing mathematical phenomenon that shows up all over creation. Um, it... That 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 series it also ties in with a thing known as the golden ratio. Um, and the golden ratio really d- it, it's the ratio of the the sum of two numbers. I don't I've got it written down, but I don't even understand it when I read it, but it's a ratio thing, okay. <laughs> uh it's it's this the sum of A plus B is equal to B or something like that. Um, all that is is the it's the the physical result of the sequence of those numbers if you graph it out. And it creates a a certain shape. It creates a spiral shape. And you see this all over creation. One of the best examples is the chambered nautilus. If you've ever seen a chambered nautilus, we have a couple in Papua New Guinea. You can find them in the oceans there. And it's that that spiraling shell that is just perfect as it spirals outward and outward. It follows the same exact Every spiral is the same exact shape it follows the Fibonacci sequence um It's found in the the curve of a ram's horn the The ram's horn will come off it follows the same exact curve it's found in the the petals of flowers in the the um forget what they call them the the parts of a pine cone in the in the circle in the shape that is found in those uh in those items. And this Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio, ratio is found all over creation. And it's a mark of order and design that the theory of evolution cannot explain. There's no answer for it. And there's other mathematical phenomenons that are found all over nature. Pi is an example. Um, you know, the circle is God's shape. God God makes things in circles. God doesn't make squares. He doesn't make rectangles. He makes circles. Look all over uh all over creation. And even a, an interesting thing about circles is that usually when man makes something to hold something God made, he makes it in a circle, such as a grain silo, such as a water tank, such as a dinner plate. They're usually circles. Um God makes things in circles and and pie is, you know, we know that the uh pi, uh, pi r squared. It's, it's an eternal number. And it's a mark of the order and design that God put in nature. You have the witness of nature. Uh, you have also the witness of scripture. Look at verses seven through 10. Verse seven, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Now, now we're not talking about nature anymore. Now we're talking about scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. The first few verses there, we see the witness of Scripture. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And in the next verses from 11 to 14, we see the witness of conscience or the witness of experience. Uh, look at verse, even starting in verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, again, by the, by the words, by the laws, by the precepts, what we can say by the scriptures, moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. There is great reward in keeping the commandments of God. And that's why you can get a, a country that you, you can't have a Christian nation. Uh, your Christianity has to do with your salvation and salvation is individual. So you can't have a, a Christian nation, but you can have a, a righteous nation. You can have a nation that, that it's, it's inclined to the, precepts and the commandments of the word of God. And that is definitely in our history as a country um, in America. And that is something we definitely see, you know, truth has fallen in the streets. We see the influences of that in society as America turns its back on God, as it turns its back on the commandments and the precepts. We see the evidence of that all around us today. Um, and so, yeah, you can have you you can see the, the blessing of God upon nations and the blessing of God upon individuals, even that are not saved, but they're living in the blessing of God. Why? Because it what what does he say there in keeping of them? There is great reward. You can be unsaved and keep the Ten Commandments the best that you can. And guess what? There's great reward in that um, you want to you want to live according to the. Moral principles of the Old Testament or the moral principles of of the law there's great reward there's great blessing there's great benefit doesn't mean that you're saved, but it means you can have you can have reward and you can have blessing and that's the witness of experience and we see that you see that in nations you see that in individuals um, people that that will apply biblical principles and the commandments and the testimonies and the statutes to a society and that society will flourish. And that's the witness of experience. But we also have that in our own hearts and in our own lives. You have the witness of your conscience. Uh, The Bible talks about the conscience over in the book of Roman, that that conscience, it is, it is in us accusing or excusing us as to our relationship with God. Uh, Look at Romans chapter one. This is one of those, you know, tying back in up with the, uh, the the first part, the witness of nature, people often ask about, uh, you know, one of the questions people like to ask to try to get a, you know, prove that there is no God or to prove that God's actually evil. You know, that's a very common one these days um, is to say, you know, what about the heathen who's never heard? What about the heathen who 's you know what about the the poor man in Africa? What about the poor man in Papua New Guinea who 's never heard well psalm nineteen one says the heavens declare the glory of God. he says there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. There is a witness that there is a God, and when a man will receive that witness and turn to God, God will get him more truth. God will bring him more truth um, and the, the The real answer is that um Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil, neither will they come to the light lest their deeds should be reproved. And that's the reason men love to deny the existence of God. But look what he says here in Romans one. And this is what you see all over uh you know, in, in, in Papua New Guinea, the question was asked, you know, are people receptive? Well they're they're very religious. They're very religious. They they know that there is a a higher spiritual power. And they believe in that higher spiritual power. And you can read about different, uh, people groups and tribal groups all over the world, different cultures. And, and, and most or every one of them that I've ever read about inherently knows that there is a supreme being. They, they know in their heart, they know in their conscience that there is a God. And Romans 1 explains this to us. He says in verse Romans 1, 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. You you just look around at the things that are made, and you say, guess what? Somebody made that. Something made that. Things don't get made by accident. Nothing gets made by accident. Something made it. And, and any man, anywhere in this world, whether he's, he's, you know, tall or short, dark or light, uh, male or female, can look and say, oh, something made that. I, I live in a, in a world, in, in a place that is designed to sustain life. <laughs> you know, the, the seasons come and go. What, what does that? Why does, why can't I plant corn in the, uh, spring and then harvest it in the fall and, and all around me, even in a place like New Guinea, we don't have those seasons. We have eternal summer with a little. Uh, sometimes it's rainy and sometimes it's dry and humid. Sometimes it's rainy and humid. Sometimes it's dry and humid. Um, things can grow. Sometimes things can grow three times a year. Uh, there, there's there's food, not 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 everywhere necessarily, um, but it, it's certainly a place that that you can evidently see that. It is designed to sustain life, and you have to ask, ask that question: how how did how did this get here? And that's what he, we read about here in Romans one nineteen. Because that which may be known of God is man. I'm sorry, verse twenty: for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. You say, well, I can't see God. Well, you can see the things that He made, yes. and it's evident, and there's a certainty that there is a God. He says, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal. Power and Godhead. And again, that Godhead is manifest all through nature. That's the water is a, a solid, a liquid, a gas. The sun is heat, light, and actinic rays, radiation. Uh, man is a what? A body, a soul, and a spirit. You see that Godhead manifested all through creation. He says what? So that they are without excuse. Because that, listen, when they knew God. Now, what about the poor man in Africa who who's never known? The Bible says that, that man knew God. And, and again, I say we have the witness of nature. We have the witness of conscience. And then there's a, there's a knowledge of God naturally that man knows. But what does he, what does he do? Look verse 21. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creepy things. Now, traditionally we look at this and we see idolatry manifested in the actual carving of idols and stones. But this, this, this concept, this idolatry is manifesting today in the, in the idolatry of secular humanism, which is not saying that, that this little carving is my God but that I am God. And that's the type of idolatry that we live with today. And you see here one of the marks of this this society, this culture, these people that have gone so far because they've de- denied the existence of God is connected with what 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 does he say verse verse 21 neither were thankful. Neither were thankful. Do we not live and deal in a society a country, a nation of people who have more than any other people in this world, and they're unthankful. In the, in the society that that you Christians are grieved by, the people out there that that you know, you're in the store and you have to deal with them. You know, they're pushing against you, and they're this like you don't even exist because they're in their own little world. Are they some of the most grateful people you've ever met? Absolutely not. They're entitled. And that's the, that's the society that, that you're dealing with today. And then you go further and you, you realize where sodomy comes into this thing. And that's because they are, they are denying what they already know naturally, what they already know by the witness of nature. And then what we'll get into next, what they already know by the witness of scripture. And it is affecting this society, but it can also affect you. And you need to know certainly and the certainty Of God, Only a fool would believe that there is no God. And you say, well, I know a college professor and he's, you know, a triple doctorate and you're a what? You know, what am I? Who am I? Who am I? I'm a nobody, but I can hold up a book to you and I would hold up a book to that college professor and he can't answer this book. He can't answer it. He can't even answer basic questions about his own silly theory that he believes. And it's a religion. It's a religion. And you don't need to be a fool and believe that lie. The Bible says in Psalm 14, 1, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. I'm not just speaking arrogantly. That's a scripture. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They're denying, they're denying the certainty of God. Why? Because they don't want to have to deal with him. They don't, they don't want their, their wickedness manifested openly before a righteous and holy and almighty God. But you, Christian, can know the certainty of God. You can know that in your life. You can know that when you're facing some uncertain times and challenges and problems, there is a God. There is a God. Now know also the certainty of God's word, the certainty of God's word. The Bible's a special book. It, it, it is unlike any other book. Um, I've not read entirely through the Quran. I've read parts of the the Quran or the Quran. I've, I've been taught it. Um, my pastor read through it. I think he, it was something like 14 or 17 times in different editions. Cause this is one of the things you're going to, I just was dealing with a, with a, um, a Middle Easterner over in Australia. He, he was not really a professing or he's Muslim, but not practicing. Um, just a real interesting way the Lord put me across his path. Um, And one of the things, you know, he would basically say, if I said, yeah, I read the Quran or I got these verses out of the Quran, he'd say, well, you know, you don't know which edition and you don't know how men have corrupted it. And, you know, so basically set himself up, even though he's very religious, still sets himself up as his own God and has become his own authority. But we have a special book. It's unlike any other, you know, so-called holy book in this world and, and the difference between the Bible, there's three things. I'm not gonna go through these things in depth, but there's three things that, that show us that the Bible is different. It's 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 special. And I'm not using the word special the way the word is thrown around so often and you know, like like uh you know my mom would tell me, Oh you're special. Uh no mom, I'm not I'm not special. Uh, I had a good, I had a good dad, and my dad would tell me, "You're just a dirt ball." Okay, thanks, dad. You balanced me out. Uh, I grew up in, you know, grew up in public school, and you get in public school self-esteem. But I also grew up in a Bible-believing church, and a Bible-believing church, where I got you, you know. <laughs> so thank God, um, had some truth in my life, and that came through this special book. Um, this Bible is special because of its historical authenticity. Uh, listen, if you're not a Bible believer, and I, I'm talking specifically about the King James Bible, this is the Bible. This is the word of God. Any other book that you hold in your hand is corrupted. Uh, there are words added. There are words removed. This is the word of God. There, there has to be one authority. There has to be one authority. Now you say, what about different languages? There has to be one authority. And God in his foreknowledge, he Put it into the English language. Why the English language? Why not Chinese? There's more Chinese speakers in the world than there are English speakers. Because when I'm in Papua New Guinea, guess what language I can speak? I've, I've spoken with Indonesians. I've spoken with Filipinos. I've spoken with, um, uh, I don't know what they'd be called, people from Myanmar. Myanmarians, I don't know. People from Myanmar. Uh, I've spoken with Australians. I've spoken with Germans. I've spoken with Papua New Guineans. Guess what language we speak? We don't speak Chinese. We speak English. Um, if you want to do business in the world, guess what language, the first language you need to know? You need to know English. I think they said something like 80% of of all information on the Internet is in English. Why is that? Well, because God knew and God put his words. He He perfected. He purified and perfected his words into the King James Bible and the English language. Now, I sound arrogant saying that because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, native born American and I speak English as my first and not only language, thankfully now, but (laughs) most of us in America, we speak one language. And it sounds arrogant to say that, you know, our, our language, but that's, I didn't do that. God did that. And God did that so it could reach the most people around the world. And this is a special book because of its historical authenticity. Everything that's written in the past, that's written in the Old Testament, that's written in the New Testament, these things are historically accurate. There are, there are archaeologists that deny that Israel was a kingdom and David was a real king. But guess what? The Bible says it. And you need to go with the Bible first. Uh, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of, uh, most archaeologists deny the Exodus story in Genesis and Exodus. They say it does, the timing doesn't line up. But the, how they do that is they, they basically manufacture a false timeline. And there's, there's evidences, there are, there are digs and evidences in the Middle East that line up with the Bible if they would just alter their, alter their, their teaching a little bit. It would perfectly line up with the Bible, and they won't do it. The Bible is historically authentic when it's talking about the the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. When it's talking about them, you know, crossing the Jordan and taking the land of Canaan and all the different kings. The the I mean, God's a record keeper, and He's got a perfect record written down. And you know what that does for me as a Christian? It shows me that men of God can keep per- perfect records of the past. And surely he knows what I'm going through right now. And he's aware and he, he's not a disconnected God and he knows what's going on. Uh, it's a book of scientific accuracy. This book is amazing. I wish at times I wish I could go back and erase everything I was taught in science growing up and just come first to the Bible. And people say, well, it's not a science textbook. Well, it's not a science textbook. But it's so, so chock full of scientific truths yeah, right. that if you would come first to this, one of my favorites recently I read about a guy that was, um he was known as the Pathfinder of the Seas and he was a Confederate soldier. He later became the, um he began the, basically like a naval, uh, I forget what it's called, the Department of Charts and Maps or something like that. He, he developed that. Um, which is really what made the American Navy what it is today. Um, I have his name written down back in my journal, but right now I can't remember it. Um, but he actually, he read in the Bible about the, the paths of the seas. And as a naval soldier, he began to study the oceans, oceanography. That's, that's what he developed the, the, the science of oceanography. And he began to study the oceans by looking at the Bible first and saying, the Bible says there are paths in the seas. And then he began to study. And he's the one that found ocean currents that most modern shipping uses today. And those ships get into rivers and the oceans that carry them east and west and west and east. And he's the one that discovered those things. And he did that by looking at the Bible as scientifically accurate. There's all kinds of science in the Bible. Uh, yeah, it's not a science te- textbook, but it is scientifically accurate. And I think there's so much in there, it's just not revealed because man doesn't look to it first. I, and you know, my scientific knowledge is, is limited, but if a man of great scientific knowledge would look at the Bible, there's stuff in here on architecture, there's stuff in here on engineering, there's stuff in here on project management and business management. It's an amazing book. It's scientifically accurate. And it is a book of prophetic impeccability. It's a book of prophetic impeccability. Christ alone fulfilled 300 prophecies in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension. 300 prophecies fulfilled. That is a, it that, that makes a scientific certainty that this book could not have been written by man. It's so accurate and it is so right that it's absolutely scientifically, mathematically certain that it could not have been written by man. And that's the certainty of God's word. And it is, listen, it is true. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This book is true. And it is trustworthy. And you need to get in it. You need to spend time in it. Um, You know, again, Fox News. True and trustworthy. Let's pick a fight here. Um <laughs> Not all the time, certainly not. And if you think it is, and you think you're getting pure truth from Fox News, you're deceived. But I'm telling you, you have a book in your hands. You probably have 10 of them in your home. And it is always true and trustworthy. And there's something in there for you that God has for you to help you. And there's the certainty of the Word of God. There's the certainty of sin. Matthew fifteen 8, 9 tells us that out of the abundance of uh, the heart, the mouth speaketh. Let me, let me get over there. You know, if you don't believe in sin, if you can't say, you know, yes, sin is present in this world, you must be, you must have some, some really nice fancy rose colored glasses. <laughs> Cause if you just look around anywhere, you, you watch any movie you want to watch, any television show you want to watch, guess what's in it? Sin. Guess what's in it? Adultery, fornication, idolatry, hatred, murder. That's what makes the good shows. That's what makes shows stick. You know, the more of that they can get in there, the more popular it will become. And that's because, if I can get here, Matthew 15, 8 and 9, I'm sorry, 18 and 19 says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man for out of the heart Proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. That's what comes out of the heart of man. Okay, now people like to blame the devil for a lot of things. You know, I grew up hearing people, oh, the devil made me do this. And the devil, you know, I, I don't see that in the scriptures. I don't see that. I don't see that the devil... He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There are devils. There's, there's spiritual powers and presence and opposition. They're, they're the, the, the principalities and powers. Certainly we, we wrestle against, uh, these principalities and powers. But for you and your life and for you and your circumstances, the devil is by and large not to blame. The one to blame is the one who, who has proceeding out of his heart evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, and that is the the sin of man and the certainty of sin. The fact that we can see this all around us in society, you can see it in your own life, it is a certain thing. And if you don't believe me that there is sin present in this world, that there is sin present in you, I bring forward to you the proof of death. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says in Romans five twelve, as um uh I can quote this until I need to. Romans five twelve. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Death proves sin. I've listened to to uh you know, listen to podcasts. There you go. I listened to something online. (laughs) Uh, read, I've read articles, science, they, they have no scientific explanation for, for what causes death. Um, I listened to a podcast one time and they got, they literally got down to the place where they just said, well, all we can say is there's something in the blood that causes, you know, causes life to break down. (laughs) You know what that is? Sin. It's sin. It's the sin that entered into Adam and death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And we have Adam's sin in us and then we have our own sins that we commit and there is a certainty of sin. There's a man named Brian Johnson. He's a tech entrepreneur. He is spending about two million dollars a year to reverse biological aging. You ever heard of him? He, he, every day of his life is a strict regimen of exercise, diet, sleep. He he goes through a specific cycle every night to get to sleep. Um he takes all kinds of prescription medicines. And and what they say is after I don't know how many years he's been doing this, but spending two million dollars a year and literally living in this grueling cycle, um, he is biologically five years younger than his chronological age. And his goal as he's aging chronologically is to reverse his biological age back to the age of eighteen. And you know what I think is funny? And I, I'm not a prophet, but you know what one day is probably going to happen. The guy's going to die in a car accident. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he realizes that there are more ways to die than just age yeah. and sickness. I mean, he gets he gets checked up and tested for for cancer and every known disease, I think maybe twice a year or something like that regularly he's getting checked. Um and 2 million dollars a year won't Avoid death. It won't. Because why? Because sin is certain. And then that brings also the certainty of judgment. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, as it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment. Judgment is certain. Uh, Revelation 20, 12, Revelation 28, they, they, they warn us of the coming judgment. And judgment is a thing. There's judgment for the sinner. If you don't know Christ, if you don't have Christ, there's judgment for you and it's an eternal judgment in a lake of fire. You'll be cast into the lake of fire where there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And there's, there's torment and there's pain. And why, why is that? Well, because God is holy. And yeah, we can't understand the holiness of God outside of studying in the scriptures, the holiness of God. We can't fathom it. Why? Because we're not holy. And, and man balks at, Oh, what a, what a, you know, a loving God throw a man into hell forever. Well, you have to have both his love and his holiness in view. And you can't have one without the other. And God is holy and he will judge and he will send a sinner to hell. But he also has a judgment for the saint. Romans fourteen twelve. He says that here. So then every one of us this is speaking to Christians, to believers, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Look at second corinthians five ten There's a judgment for the sinner, but there's also a judgment for the saint. The judgment for the sinner is the great white throne judgment. This is that you know that judgment at the end of time. When when the books were open and another book was open, and the judged are the the dead are judged out of those things which are written in the books. And then there's a judgment for the believer, and this is not a judgment of whether you're saved or not. This is a judgment of what did you do with your life, what did you do for the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians five ten, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And judgment is certain, and you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared for that judgment. If you're unsaved, you need to get saved. You need to know the the next and last point, the certainty of salvation. There's a certain salvation that's available to you. It is not religion. It's It's not the Baptist church. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus Christ did. He did for you. So because you can't do it for yourself. What he did is he offered himself. He he became sin for you who knew no sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. And maybe you're sitting in here today and you say, yeah, I know about Jesus, but do you know him personally? Or you say, yeah, I come to church. Look at me. I'm here, aren't I? But have you repented towards God and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? If you're adding something to it, if you're adding your good works, if you're adding your religious faith, you're 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 trying to add to what he did. And you need to believe and believe only on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at first Peter three eighteen. This is one there's one way to get saved. And that's the way the truth and life, the Lord Jesus Christ is. It's by faith in Him. It's by believing on Him. When when Nicodemus is, Jesus is dealing with Nicodemus in John chapter three. Uh, Jesus Jesus says there to Nicodemus. Um, let, let me look at it. You 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 turn over to um, where did I say, First Peter three, because this is another one I have memorized and it's just not coming. So forgive me. John three. He says to Nicodemus, verse 11, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? The Lord uses substitution there to tell us what it means. What does it mean to receive Christ? It means to believe on him. It means to say, yes, I understand Christ died on the cross, I believe He did that for me. And I believe that only that can save me. And that's the certainty of salvation. There's one way to get saved, and that's by putting your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then for you Christians, it's one salvation forever. Um, Look at 1 Peter 3.18, and then we'll go over to Hebrews, and we'll be done. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit. There's one way to get saved. There's one salvation. And it's in the the one sacrifice that Christ made for you and me and for everyone. And for you here today, if you're not saved and you don't know him, Christ made that one sacrifice for you forever. And when you believe on him, you get saved forever. Look at Hebrews 10. It's one salvation forever. Sometimes Christians get worried about eternal security. You know, I got saved when I was a kid, but man, I sure did a lot of wicked things since. I don't know, maybe I'm not saved. It's one salvation forever. One sacrifice forever. Look at Hebrews 10, 12. Take comfort, Christian, in the certainty of your salvation. If you're saved, you're saved. You you don't have to worry about that. You can worry about your your sanctification your growth in the Lord or your fellowship with the Lord you can worry about your service for the Lord but you need to rest and trust in your salvation um, Hebrews ten twelve, he says here but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God how long is Christ's sacrifice Christ's atonement for your sins effective forever. Does that mean, you know, only forever when when I'm in his favor? No, that means forever. Once you receive him, that sacrifice stands forever. Man, that carries that carries that carries my my hope and trust into eternity. I I, I it's such a it's such a grand thing to have, the blessing of eternal security. Look at Hebrews 7:25. 725 wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto god by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them christian you have the certainty of salvation you have the certainty of a savior of of the lord jesus christ who's who's active and involved in your life and when everything else around you is uncertain maybe there's trouble in your family maybe there's trouble at work maybe the whole country is going to go into economic depression. You know, I saw a thing, I think yesterday they, they look at the key factors for past de- recessions. And I think there's like four keys. And right now some people are saying all four of those are, are, you know, alerting us that recession or depression is coming. Um, there's uncertainty, but you can, you can know, listen, trust, find certainty. In these things, certainty in God, certainty in God's Word, certainty of sin and judgment, and certainty of salvation. Trust Christ for your salvation. If you're already saved, still trust Christ. And it's a blessing if you can, if you can get to that point where you just, you can get saved and then, and then doubt your salvation. I've always heard preachers say most people that doubt their salvation are saved. So trust the Lord with your salvation. It's eternal. Trust Scripture for truth. Man, turn the radio on, turn the TV on. You can get so many different voices saying so many different things. Trust the Scriptures for truth. You can turn YouTube on and get five different preachers. You know, that this is the age we live in. I'm I'm preaching against this as much as I can. <laughs> get off of YouTube. Don't go to YouTube for your theology. All right? Trust the scriptures. There's truth there for you. Read it for yourself. Study it for yourself. And then trust God for love and hope. Because certainly all of us will face uncertain times at one time or another. And there's some certain things that we can get. And it will give us that that blessing and hope that we need. So that we can serve God. We can please God. And one day stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And have something to offer him for his glory in that day. So let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for the time we've had here with this church. Thank you for the people that have come. Uh, God, minister to them through this message. Some may need a conviction. Some may say, uh, you know, may not be as close to you as they should be in their fellowship, Lord. And, and by learning of your certainty, just, just the truth that you are, uh, God, without question, without fail, you are. You are who you say you are. You are who we know you to be from the Scriptures. God, you're immutable. You don't change. And we thank you for that. Thank you for the certainty of you of your existence. Thank you for, even though you weren't obligated to, to show us, God, you've shown us by nature. You've shown us by Scripture. You've shown us by our very conscience, God, that you are. And I thank you. And help, if anyone in here is not saved, I'll just take a minute with heads bowed, bowed and eyes closed. If there is somebody here today, I already heard a testimony from someone who was religious and wound up in a Baptist church and found the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. You may, he may be here today, and, and you're just here. Your family brought you, or you just wandered in, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let this be the day that you find salvation and you find a Savior. Uh, if anyone's here and you'd like help with that, if you raise your hand and let us know, and someone can come help you with an open Bible. Christian, please find that certainty that that you can find in your relationship and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and trust God for his love and hope. And those things are certain. And I thank God for it. God bless us. Uh, I think we're going to have a song and just bless us as we finish out this service. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray and ask. Amen.